something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space, space. space to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped right, right. boat neck sweaters. sweaters. The Container Store Alpha Sale is here with 30% off Alpha and installation. The Container Store, where space comes from. Lori M. Wallach, Director of Public Citizens Global Trade Watch. Now, as I mentioned before the break, she's an expert on the operations and outcomes of trade policies such as NAFTA, WTO, Fast Track Trade Promotion Authority, and is steeped in the domestic and international politics of current trade negotiations and disputes. Those include the TPP and TAFTA, TTIP. She works closely with Congress and civil society, and she's friends as we are with our great friends, the Teamsters. More than a pleasure to have Lori M. Wallach on the show. Lori, good afternoon and welcome. Thank you very much. Lori, there are a lot of people that say TPP is a bad deal. But then there are some people that say, well, wait a minute. This is a major potential trade agreement between the United States and 11 countries. And even though we're all at different levels of economic development, this could be a good deal if it were put back on the right track. Being that you're an expert in this area, what do you say? Well, the deal is almost finished is the problem, and what, what what right now is at issue is whether or not Congress is going to give up its constitutional authority to be able to make sure that we don't pass another bad agreement. The president is asking for what's called fast-track authority to railroad the TPP through Congress. TPP has 29 chapters. Most of it's not about trade. Of those, about 10 of the chapters are literally done and sitting in a box someplace. Of the other leftover 19, there are only three of them that have lots of open questions. This deal got started in 2008 by President Bush. So it is, they, they were supposed to sign it two years ago. But for other countries pushing back and some of the crazy demands, unfortunately, our negotiators are making on behalf of big pharma, to jack up medicine prices on behalf of big ag to make countries accept food that isn't very safe, on behalf of the oil and gas and mining companies to let them attack governments in these international tribunals. If it weren't for that kind of stuff, um, they would have signed it some while ago. And so it's, you know, it's not like it's in the start of its journey. It's basically one wheel off the cliff, and the fast track would put us all in the car and go the rest of the way. Well, you know, a lot of people say a trade deal can be a good deal, that this is not a good deal. Let's talk about this. Good trade agreement would boost growth in the United States, would address wage stagnation, and would help to create legitimate rules for international trade. And that doesn't seem to be addressed here with the TPP. Well, what the TPP basically is is some kind of Trojan horse mechanism. So they've branded it a trade agreement, trade, good, yay, more exports. But actually, if you look at what's in it, there's a whole chapter on investor privileges that actually makes it literally easier to offshore our jobs. Fast-tracking the TPP would make it easier to offshore our jobs and would put downward pressure on American workers' wages, because we'd be pitted directly against workers in Vietnam making less than 60 cents an hour. There's a whole chapter in there that literally gives new rights and privileges to the big pharmaceutical companies to raise medicine prices. There's even a chapter that would waive by American procurement. So instead of getting reinvested in our 
communities to create jobs here with the government using our tax dollars to buy American-made goods. Our tax dollars would even get offshored and create jobs in other countries. That is the stuff we know is in there, despite it being very secret, because there have been leaks. Who the heck knows what else is in there? Well, I, I know that you know people that I've talked to that are against this in, in the past, and whether they're part of a union, connected to a union or not at all. They just want a good trade deal. Uh, there are two problems here. We need to offset that deficit that we have with export-import. And two, um, there is no protecting the United States from currency manipulation if this passes fast track or otherwise. That's right. I mean, well, those are the actual trade issues. But trade is really kind of the smallest part of it. The worst Actually, part of it is these investor, foreign investor rights that promote offshoring and also allow our laws, U.S. laws, U.S. laws our courts have said are just fine, to be attacked by foreign corporations who operate here. They don't want to meet our domestic laws that U.S. companies meet every day. Under TPP, they could drag the U.S. government to a foreign tribunal comprised of three private sector trade attorneys, and these guys rotate between being the so-called judges and being the lawyers suing governments on behalf of corporations. And in front of this tribunal unrelated to our courts, they can demand compensation from us, the taxpayer, treasury dollars, for having to comply with domestic laws our own firms have to meet. If they can argue that, those rules undermine their new investor privileges in TPP, and they get paid out of our pockets for whatever future lost profits they might have missed for having to meet our laws. That is at the heart of TPP, and that is what kills jobs, promotes offshoring, and undermines our sovereignty and our solvency. The actual trade part, absolutely. It's a scandal that there are no currency manipulation disciplines. What that means practically is let's just say Japan ultimately agrees, which I haven't so far, but let's just say they agree to cut the border taxes called tariffs on our imported meat, our beef, our pork. Let's just say they agree to cut those tariffs 20%. But then, right after the agreement goes into effect, they devalue, they bring down the value of their currency relative to the U.S. dollar 20%. They just wiped out the tariff cuts. And if they devalue 10% the next year, it's like they've taken 10% backwards from what we had even before the agreement, so that we basically don't get any of what we bargained for and actually end up with a penalty. And there have been Democrats and Republicans who for the last three years have insisted that there be rules in there in TPP to counter against that. And heartbreakingly, the White House has just shown them the hand. Not a word is in there. You know, I'm a liberal, a progressive, and a Democrat, and there are those on the left and even, you know, some that don't want to align with any political ideology or party that say, this is not a good deal. This is a smart president. Why is he making such a, for uh, non-eloquent terminology, a stupid uh, deal? And I say that because, <laughs> like you had, you had mentioned, you know, this comes from Bush, and there are Democrats, even to the left of me, that are like, I don't want, you know, I mean, when you they look at other things when it comes to the Patriot Act and, and not doing anything regarding to torture and Guantanamo Bay and the list goes on. You know, how is this different than if Bush were president since he would have favored this this type of a trade agreement that's in its uh, final stage of negotiation? 
Well, I think part of how we have President Obama doing this is he selected as his top economic advisors and his top trade official what are really some of the only unreconstructed NAFTA lovers in the Democratic Party. Some of these folks, like our trade ambassador, literally were here during the, during the Clinton presidency and are the ones who got us into NAFTA. The trade ambassador did that. Then he went to Citibank, make a lot, made a lot of money. And then he's come back to be the head trade guy, and he's basically doing NAFTA on steroids. Now, of course, the president's a very smart guy. And if he dug into it sufficiently on his own, you'd hope he'd come up with a different conclusion. However, he is getting all the information and advice from that handful of people who have one mindset, which, by the way, the polling shows majorities of Democrats, Republicans, and independents. We all like trade, but we also all think our trade agreements are bad for the country, bad for our jobs. So you got basically this sorry state of affairs where the president's being advised by a bunch of revolving door NAFTA lovers who've gone in off of Wall Street. And then you've got the public on a transpartisan basis saying, not so fast. And that, by the way, is the only good news in the story. Because right now in the House of Representatives, where this special trade authority, the fast track, would have to be passed to move this TPP, it looks like they don't quite have the votes. And if folks across the country call their members of the House of Representatives and ask for their member of Congress's commitment to hold on to their constitutional trade authority, do not fast-track the TPP, we can save ourselves from the foreseeable devastation to jobs and wages that this agreement would do. This is all going to come to a head in the next couple of weeks. Do you think that the American people have been brainwashed, in a sense, um, uh, with the idea that that an unbridled free market, you know, basically that more trade is necessarily better. If you eliminate regulatory barriers to exports and foreign investment, um, you know, they, they feel, which is the focus on this, obviously, uh, that market forces can not just increase economic efficiency, but can improve governance in developing countries. And when you look at the imbalances in the trade and the trade deal that, you know, with these nations, it'll work themselves out. But to me, not only is that extremely risky, to me, I say, what's in it for America? And why aren't more Americans outraged in calling their congressional members? Well, there has been an enormous amount of activity across the country, which is why right now, despite this huge corporate campaign trying to push for fast-tracking the TPP, they don't have the votes together in the House. But it's like hand-to-hand combat. So, folks, if you are hearing this, you don't want NAFTA on steroids with Vietnam that if you have not called your member of Congress, or even if you have, call him again. Get him to send you a written confirmation that he or she in the House of Representatives intends to vote no on fast-tracking the TPP. And by the way, everyone pull out a pen, a scrap of paper. I'm going to give you the number to the Capitol switchboard. You should stick that up in your fridge. It's just a good number to have for yep. any issue you care about. Everyone ready? Yep. 202. Yep. 225. Right. 3121. And is there an 800 number for people that are in hard times not working right now? There is, and the way to get to that is go to the website of the AFL-CIO. There's a call tool also at the Communication Workers of America. There's a call tool. That's an 800 number. 
Awesome. And you can go online, contactingthecongress.org. You can contact, and there they will have your individual congressional members and links to individually contact them so you can save yourself the time uh, through Google. And that phone number, again, is 202 oh, 202-225-3121. And so you don't have to know who your house member is. You can just give them your zip code, and they'll, attack, they'll connect you at 202 202- Two two five three one two one. And like we said, uh, you can also go to the AFL CIO's website for the 800 number or go to contactingthecongress.org. Uh, uh, do you think that sometimes people don't contact their congressional members because they feel their voice, their email, their phone call, even their vote doesn't matter? I do worry that's true. And having worked on Capitol Hill, I can tell you it counts. In fact, it's the only thing that counters the corporate money because there gets to be a point where a member of Congress's phone is ringing off the hook. And by the way, you can call the local office, too. That was the Capitol switchboard here in Washington, D.C. But if you just open up your local phone book to the blue pages, you can pull out a local number for the local office of the congressperson, local call. When the reports come back that the local office is getting lots of calls, when the, the D.C. office is getting a lot of calls, that actually makes an impression, as do handwritten notes. Even on a postcard, a handwritten note, not a form email, but a handwritten note, goes a very long way in having a member of Congress actually pay attention because there gets to be a point where all the more money that they could have for campaign ads, etc., does not overcome if the whole district's hating on the member for voting for something that killed a lot of jobs. And what, Go ahead, sorry. As I say, if you go to our website, which is www.tradewatch.org, you can pull up some sample letters, sample postcard messages that you can mix up and match, sort of mad libs of anti-fast track citizen action. And one of the reasons I asked you that, because of your background working there. Another question that's good with your background and your knowledge of NAFTA. Uh, George tweets, uh, you can, you, can you ask Lori to instruct me on how the, T, how the transatlantic uh, trade deal would go with NAFTA? So the way that these agreements work is they set all these special corporate privileges, the special long medicine patents, the special investor offshoring rights, with respect to the countries that sign them. So right now we have this rotten model, and it covers the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. The TPP would push these outrageous new privileges and rights even further, like the ban on bi-American procurement, and those, would, those changes, the worst part, would even apply now to Mexico and Canada, but then it would add in nine other countries, Vietnam, Malaysia, Australia, New Zealand, Chile, Singapore, Brunei, Japan. Those are countries, a bunch of them, we don't have any free trade agreement with. It's so like just for instance, those corporate tribunals I was talking about, if TPP goes into effect with that so-called investor state dispute settlement stuff, the stuff Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren, was talking about last week, she was very upset about it. That would mean 14,000 more corporations from those TPP countries in operating in the U.S. can newly drag our government to a foreign tribunal and demand compensation from our taxpayers just because they have to meet our domestic laws. That's not made up. That actually is chapter in the agreement. 
So that that is a like a very practical example of right now Mexico and Canada companies in those countries that are also operating here that have set up investment here they can go to those tribunals, but no company from Japan can do that. But if the TPP went into effect, they could. Or U.S. firms offshore into Mexico, they get all these special privileges, makes it safer, cheaper. But right now, if they go to Vietnam, they are on their own. On the other hand, if TPP went into effect, all these new safeguards and incentives to offshore to Vietnam, where the wages are a tenth what they are in Mexico. Mike asks, so we talked about currency manipulation, so uh, very quickly, guys, uh, let her answer this. Uh, what about child labor? Has that been addressed? Because obviously one of the great protections of unions is to protect children, and in other countries this is definitely an issue. It has not been protected. If you want to make sure your child has a future with a decent job and a decent wage, you want to stop child labor in other countries, you've got to get your members of Congress to vote no on fast track. And, folks, this vote could come up as soon as right after Easter.